appreciate not only Butch Revere's wonderful abilities with music, but also his heart for God. When he shares, he helps us come closer to the Lord. Let's show Butch our appreciation. Thank you, dear brother. Amen. And turn with me in your copy of God's Holy Word, if you would, please, to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Um, thank you, Pastor Clay, for asking me to uh, be here with you uh, this, this week. I, I count it a real privilege to be back at Superior Avenue Baptist Church. My family and I were here for five and a half years. And my boys were little during that time. They grew up here during that time. And uh, you showed them so much love and tenderness and, and care. And they are still active in church today. And their kids are too. And I attribute much of that to the way you showed them love. And they learned that that's what church was all about. Um, Tim is in um, Dallas, Texas. He's a lawyer. Don't hold it against him. But... Um, um, He's still an LSU fan because he grew up right here. And he sees several of their games every year. And Ben, um, my other son, is uh, um, vice president for American sales for a records company, a medical records company. He and his family are active in church. They live in Henderson, Kentucky, where my wife Sandy and I live. As you know, my wife uh, San uh, Debbie was... Uh, here with me all this time. We were married 45 years. Um, but uh, I went into the doctor's office with her. We thought she was going to have to have her gallbladder removed. They did some tests, and the doctor came back in and said, I'm sorry to tell you, but your wife has cancer. I think she has cancer. And I said, uh, well, what do you mean you think? You, you mean like it's... 50% that it's, he said, no, it'll be more than that. And I said, well, is it 75% chance? He said, no, it'll be more than that. I said, well, how much would it be? He said, well, it's 95% or more. Six weeks from the day he told us that she passed away. We still, within two or three days of her passing, were hoping she'd get on uh, medication for it, but she never was able to. You know, life can change so quickly. And when I mention that tragedy, I'm not saying anything that's new for you because many of you have been there with your own loved ones, haven't you? You've seen it, and it hurts, doesn't it? You've been there. When Clay asked me to come, and I, I felt the great privilege, immediately I knew I was supposed to preach from the book of Ruth because the book of Ruth takes place in a time of great transition. I didn't realize coronavirus was coming during that time, but, but it has, and God is faithful to lead us to what we should share. And So I want to, us to look today at the book of Ruth. If you have your Bibles open to Ruth, um, would you stand with me for the reading of God's holy word? We're going to look at the first chapter. I'll read the first chapter, but it's just got four in it, and we're going to just look at scenes like scenes from a movie. We're going to fly through this whole book today. It came about in the days when the judges governed, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and two sons. 
and the name of the man was Elimelech, and his name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. Now those names mean pining and wasting away. I don't know, those boys must have had colic till they were 35. You know, I don't know what happened, but they were sickly. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about ten years, and then both Malon and Kilion also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. And she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from that place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. And Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Now, let me take just a moment here to explain the concept of leveret marriage or sometimes called kinsman redeemer. And the idea here is that if a lady back in this time, if her husband passed away and she had no children, then the lady's brother-in-law or failing that closest family member would take her as a wife in order to provide children for the deceased husband. I know that's a strange concept to us, but that's the way they did it back then, and it was looked upon as kindness for the lady. Return, my daughters, for I'm too old to have a husband, and if I said I had hope that I should even have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? No, my daughters-in-law, for it's harder for me than for you. The hand of the Lord has gone out against them. They lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, that is, she returned, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you nor turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw she was determined to go with her, she said, No more. So they went and came to Bethlehem, and it came about when they came to Bethlehem. All of the city was stirred because of them, and the women said, Is this Naomi? The word Naomi means pleasant. And she said, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Shall we pray? Lord, teach us now by your Holy Spirit, your Holy Word, and help us apply it rightly in our own lives that we might trust and love and serve you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Boy, I congratulate you on celebrating 100 years. This has been a great church for many years. And you've got many more great years to come in the days ahead. Can I hear an amen? Who knows but what in the providence of God, your best days may be the days just ahead of you, the days yet to come. And really it was like that for Ruth and Naomi. They didn't know. But it was like that. They had the best days yet to come. These were days of transition here in the book of Ruth. And they are for us. Now, Ruth is really a love story. There are only two books in the Bible named for ladies, Esther and Ruth. But Ruth is a love story. And when we think of love stories, we might think of Romeo and Juliet, you know. Or maybe we might think of Eric Segal's love story. Or we might think of Hallmark movies. How many of you ladies like Hallmark movies? Hold up your hand. Sandy, my wife, said to me, she said, Honey, I think I'm going to buy a pair of these socks. She saw it on Facebook, and I looked at those socks, and on the, on the soles of them, it said, Don't disturb me, I'm watching Hallmark movies. Well, that's a, that's a common thing these days, and they're, they're all good ones. They, they end with a, a good ending, don't they? And that's one of the things that makes them so good. But Ruth is a love story. And really it's fantastic literature. It's got all of the elements of good literature. It's got, uh, it's got the damsel in distress. It's got the white knight coming to a rescue. His name was Boaz. It's got uh, a, a reversal. And it's got a happy ending. All of the elements of a good story are right here in Ruth. And uh, I want us to just take it like a movie and just fly through the scenes of Ruth today. And in the first scene, can you see Ruth and Elimelech, her husband, holding hands, leaving Bethlehem, once holding the hand of Malon and once holding the hand of, of uh, Kilion, and they're, they're going toward Moab. Now, the Bible doesn't say, hear me, the Bible doesn't say they prayed about it and felt led to go to Moab in this time of drought. It just says they went. Time of drought came. They were without food in Bethlehem. They had to do something for those boys. They said, well, they've got food in Moab. Let's go over there. And they went without praying about it. They just went. Undoubtedly, they thought, we'll be back soon. We won't stay but a year or so. We'll take care of these kids and Soon we'll be back home. But life happens. And while they were there, Elimelech passed away. Coronavirus came to Moab and Elimelech died, you know. And both the boys, they were growing up, hormones were raging. They got in their convertible Mustangs and started cruising the streets of Moab. Well, let's say chariots. They got in their chariots and started cruising the streets. And they saw these beautiful girls, brought them back home soon. Both Malon and Kilion were married. And Ruth thought, well, life will be better now. But then Malon and Kilion also died. Suddenly. And Ruth uh, Naomi found herself all alone except her daughter-in-laws with her. 
Scene one closes. Scene one was walking out of Bethlehem toward Moab. Scene two is walking, begins with walking out of Moab back toward Bethlehem. Naomi heard there was food back in Bethlehem, so we'll go back. She still had her house there, still had some land there. We'll go back. After a while, Orpah goes back to her family, but Ruth says those words that we hear mostly in weddings. Entreat me not to leave you nor to depart from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Now, why could she say your God will be my God? You see, in Moab, they served the god Chemosh, and Chemosh was a god that had children sacrifice. They thought it was necessary for their crops to grow each year to sacrifice some children. Horrible, horrible thing. But is it, is it any better than some of what we see in our land? But Ruth saw something in her mother-in-law that made her decide, I don't want a God like Chemosh. I see something in you, something different. I want the God that made you different. And so she begins to worship the God of Naomi. She was converted. Your God shall be my God. And they're headed back. Not knowing what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in the days ahead, but they're headed back home. Her friends greet her, Naomi, there she is, she's coming back again. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara was the word that was used in the Exodus times when the children of Israel were headed to the promised land and they dug a well because they were so thirsty in that dry and arid land. And when they dug a well, water came in, but the water was bitter, it was poisonous. And they said, we'll call that well Mara, because they couldn't use it. It was bitter. Naomi was saying, I'm a poisoned well. Don't look to me. Don't call me pleasant anymore. Scene two closes. Scene three opens. There's a going out again. This time, Ruth is going out from their home. She's going out in the, to the field to glean in the field. It was the beginning of barley harvest. And the Bible says in the Old Testament that farmers are to leave the corners of their field for the poor of the land. Now, it doesn't say reap it and hand it to them, put it on the fork, cook it for them, put it in their mouth. It doesn't say that. But it says leave it for them so they can harvest it, so that they can do something on their own and feel good about themselves. And moreover, when you're plucking up the, the heads of grain, if some fall down on the, in, the, in the rows in between, just leave them there for the poor of the land to harvest. And so Ruth was going out to glean in the field. Undoubtedly, she went into the nearest field, which was the one that just happened. The Bible says happened upon a happen. <laughs> it chanced upon it. But no, it was the providence of God. It was the field of Boaz. And the first time we see Boaz mentioned in the scripture is when he was going out to greet his employees, his workers. And he was saying things like, May God bless you today. Be peaceable today. Don't stay out in that hot sun too long. Get plenty of water. Take it easy. We'll get this field harvested. You've got time, but I want you to have good health. Everybody wants an employer like Boaz was. 
And he sees this woman out in the field. He says, who's that harvesting grain over there gleaning? And they said, well, that's the Moabite woman that came with, with Naomi. She's come back to take care of her. And he said, oh, pull out some extra grain and leave it so that Ruth can harvest that and take it back to her mother-in-law. First time they met. When was the first time you met your husband or you met your wife? Can you remember it? Must be some wonderful memories. I'm married now to the lady that um, I went with all of my junior year of high school, all of my senior year of high school, and part of my first year of college. Her family moved. We lost touch. No cell phones back then, no emails, no Facebook. We lost touch for 47 years. And I guess it's good because, I mean, I'm married. She went her own way. But God brought us back together providentially. The first time we met, a friend of mine named Mel Jordan worked at a 7-Eleven type store. And he said, you ought to meet this girl that's coming in here. Her family's just moved here. She comes in to get a Coke every day. And he said, you ought to come with me and meet her. She's something to look at. So I came. One day I just came to work with her. Stood around all afternoon. Finally she came in. Sandy did. Woo! Took my breath away. Well, it wasn't long till we were dating and been going together and went together more than two years. But then lost touch all those years. If you were to write our story now, it would go in a Hallmark movie, First Love, Last Love, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, Ruth saw Boaz, and the only thing we see about Boaz are good things here. And they really they fell in love even before talking to each other. That scene closes, the next scene opens. Ruth goes back home. She shows her mother-in-law all the good food that she has. It was, it was not any of that high cholesterol stuff. It wasn't any of that processed food. It was all natural barley grain, you know. And so she, uh, she gathers it. How could you gather so much? Well, it was in the field of Boaz. And Boaz told, I heard him say to his workers, pull out some extra. She said, oh, he is one of your nearest relatives. You need to sneak back up there tonight to the threshing floor and talk with him a little further. First, go in and wash up. You know, even a Cadillac looks better when the mud's washed off, right? So she goes in and washes up, and she heads back up to the that night to the threshing floor, and they get there, and, you know, you, you expect something to happen, but Boaz says, no, I, I want to guard your reputation because there's a closer relative than I am. And we've got to guard what the community thinks about you. Here, take some grain and you go back to your mother-in-law and we'll just keep quiet about all this until we can work it out. So the next, that scene closes and the next day, Boaz goes to the city gates. The city gates was the administrative building. It was the clerk's office. It was where everything was worked out, all of the records kept. And so he goes to the clerk's office he, the city gate, and he sits there, and they needed ten men, and so each man would begin to come through the city gates, and he'd say, sit over here, I need to talk with you a bit, sit over here. And after a while, the nearest relative, there was one nearer than he was, came in and sat down. Don't you know, Boaz had been praying about this, Ruth too, hoping for the best, wondering what was going to happen. And he says to him, um, listen to me a minute, Tom. 
you remember Naomi that's coming. Oh, yeah, 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 her field's next to mine. Well, she's wanting to sell her field. Oh, well, good, I want to buy it. Can't you see Boaz's heart sinking? A while back, I shot some free throws. I used to play basketball in high school. And I, I shoot free throws after I walk at the Y. And so I got to hitting some, so I counted them. I counted 37 in a row. Now, that's not like some of you guys can do. But for me, that was pretty good. I thought, oh, man, I was feeling all puffed up. And then I went over to a college basketball player who was known for a good, as a good shooter. And I said, how many did you hit in a row? He said, well, I think one day they counted 187. It was like putting a pin in a balloon. All the air sucked out of me. Can't you imagine Boaz sitting there at the city gate, all of the pride gone from him, and he's thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen here? Well, what happened was, he said to the man, he said, now, you can buy the field. You're the closest relative. However, when you buy the field, you also acquire the rights to marry Ruth for her husband so that you can bear care. And the man begins to slip back a little in his seat. Well, um, now, I think that would mess up my inheritance if I did that. And so Boaz is saying, well, now I guess I'm the next in line. If you insist that you can't do it, I guess I could do it. On the inside, he's going, yeah, yeah. And so it closes out that scene. The agreement was made. Boaz would buy the field, and he would marry Ruth. That scene closes, and then the last scene of Ruth opens up. And have you ever heard the children's little ditty? First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes so-and-so with a baby carriage. You, you know that little ditty. Well, that's the way it was. Here came Ruth with a baby carriage. Now, where'd they go on their, on their honeymoon? I don't know. Maybe they went to the Red Sea or the Sea of Galilee or somewhere. Who, who knows? But here they are coming back. Now she's got a baby. And Naomi is no longer called Mara. She's called Naomi again. Because good things have happened, and she's holding her grandchild. How could those stinking children have such wonderful grandchildren? I don't know, but that's the way it is. And she was loving on those grandkids. Now, the book of Ruth doesn't tell us the name of that grandchild, but the book of Chronicles does, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But may I share with you very quickly some lessons we learned from the book of Ruth. Lesson number one. Don't give up when hard times come. Hard times came for Naomi. She was ready to give up. But God didn't let her give up. She continued on, and through her daughter-in-law, some of the best days of her life were the end days of her life. And that same thing can be true for you. Lesson number two, the providence of God. God worked quietly and in ways we don't always see. It was like that in Ruth's life. 
who knew when she went into the field to harvest, to glean, that it would be her relative's field and that she would end up marrying him? Who, who knew that? But God was quietly at work. And he's at work in your life too. I've heard that you've voted to move, create a new sanctuary. You know, and you think about all the wonderful things that have happened here, the baptisms, the weddings and all of that. But you know what? There's going to be wonderful things in that new place you go to also. You're going to make some new memories there. And the best days for Superior Avenue may be the days yet ahead. Lesson number three, the lesson of the kinsman redeemer. You see, unless there was a Boaz that came into the picture, Naomi and Ruth, they were sunk. There was no way for help for them except that Boaz was there. And you know what? Except for what God's doing in your life, you're sunk too. Two days ago, a cable repairman came to my house, and I didn't have time, I didn't think, to work with him that day, but lo and behold, his equipment wasn't all there, and he had to wait an, an hour. What does a Christian do when he waits an hour with a repair person? We talked about the Lord. He had attended church some, but he had never given his heart to Jesus. And before he left that day, Cordell Williams asked Jesus to come into his heart. Two days ago in Kentucky, Cordell Williams came to know the Lord, promised to talk with his pastor about it and tell him about it, get baptized, join his church. You know, we can't always see when things happen. They might seem like an inconvenience. Who knows about this coronavirus? But you know what? It may cause a world of people around us to begin to look to the Lord because this life is not all there is. There's a life to come beyond this. And we're going to need a kinsman redeemer to go there. When I talked to Cordell Williams, I said, Lord forbid, but if you were to die today, on your way home, have an accident, die today, would you go to heaven? He said, absolutely. I said, how, how do you know? He said, well, I do more good things than I do bad things. That's the most common answer I hear. But the truth of it is, all of us have enough sin in our life. Even one sin can keep us out of God's perfect heaven. Even one. And when, when he saw that, he realized he needed something more than himself. He needed Jesus. And that's what this church has done all through the years is pointed people to Jesus. So many have come to know him right here. Well, we need a kinsman redeemer. Ruth had Boaz. And you have Jesus. He's your kinsman redeemer. He's bought us back from the power of sin and rescued us so that we could live with God forever. But I want you to see one final lesson from the book of Ruth. And that's the lesson of God's continued work. Because you see, when, when Ruth and Boaz married, they had a child. And the book of Chronicles tells us that that child's name was Obed doesn't mean anything at first until we see a little later on that Obed also had children. Can't you see Naomi rocking those grandchildren in her arms? 
little, little Obed, and then maybe, maybe Obed's children. He had a child named Jesse. And then Jesse had seven sons and daughters. And among those was one little shepherd boy out in the field there in Bethlehem. That little shepherd boy name was David. That's right, David. God in his great providence used all of the difficulty in Naomi and Ruth's life to bring about a time when David would be born in Bethlehem, maybe in that same plot of land where Naomi and Ruth lived. And then you turn over to the New Testament and you find that in the providence of Almighty God, Quirinius, a Roman ruler, decided that all the world should be taxed and you've got to go back to your ancestral homes to be registered and taxed. And so Joseph, being engaged and in that day, engagement was a lot more serious than it is today. You had to have a certificate of divorce to break an engagement. It was like a marriage. And Joseph and his engaged bride-to-be, Mary, went the 90 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And to him was born in a little stable outside the inn the Lord Jesus. What I'm saying to you is, God's at work in your life. You might not see it, but He's at work there. He's doing something for the future through your faithfulness to Him today. The Lord is at work. And that, dear friends, is the lesson of Ruth. Shall we pray? We thank you, O Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness to us. Help us always walk with you, live for you, serve you all the days of my life. And I pray your mighty blessings over Superior Avenue Baptist Church that their very best days may be the days yet ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand for our hymn of invitation. If the Lord Jesus has led you to receive Christ or to join this wonderful church, won't you come forward? Brother Clay will be here at the front to receive you.